Good evening. Great to be with you, uh, especially, yes, as has already been mentioned, uh, for Frack East and West to gather together and celebrate uh, what Jesus has done for us. Uh, it's a privilege, it's a joy to sing and worship our King along with you. Uh, if I don't know you, or if you don't know me, I'm Dan, one of the pastors over at Frack East. Uh, if you're one of those people who actually reads the emails we send out to you, and you know who you are, right? Those, those few, the proud, who read the emails. Uh, you'll know I wasn't supposed to be speaking tonight, but uh, Eric Smith was. Uh, he's at home, he's completely healthy and fine, but under corona quarantine, his whole family is. So they're there, and I am here. Uh, and instead of him, it's, it's my privilege to get to come. Uh, several people said, oh, how, how you doing? This is kind of last minute, and, and yeah, it is, it's fine. But my answer is, is if I can't get up and talk about Jesus and the cross on Good Friday, then I have no business uh, being a pastor or doing, uh, I need to find another job, right? So it's okay that Eric's not here and that I am here. Have you ever had a conversation not go the way you planned? You started it one way and it went sideways or a completely unexpected direction on you? Or uh, maybe perhaps... You had the conversation, and it went where it was supposed to, and it was on point. But what you walked away with was that little side note, that little snippet from that conversation, and something was said, and it's completely off the beaten path of, of the main, main argument, main course of that conversation. But that's what you walked away with. It grabbed you, and, and you're like, yes, that's what I needed to hear. That's a little bit how Galatians chapter 2 is for me. And that's where we're going to go tonight. We are going to key in on one little snippet, one little side note, less than 10 words, eight or nine, depending on your translation. Uh, and if you know Galatians, uh, you know it's written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, if you know anything about the early church, we've got a whole lot of Jew and Gentile stuff going on here, right? Uh, we have Jews and Gentiles being saved both being saved, both receiving the Holy Spirit, both coming together into this new thing, this church. Uh, and there's a lot to sort out there regarding the law, regarding what everybody's supposed to do and, and all that stuff. And so Galatians chapter 2, Paul's, Paul's mid-argument going down the trail of the law, uh, what it did do, what it's not supposed to do, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and in fact... He even, in Galatians 2, he, he's recounting how he publicly rebukes Peter, Peter himself. He has to publicly rebuke him on some of these things as Peter is, is slipping backwards. Uh, and, and he's continuing this argument, offering himself really here as a test case, saying, I'm a Jew, but I've died to the law. I've died to the old Paul, the old ways, and in fact, the irony of Galatians 2 is it's the law itself that he says killed me to that stuff. And if we pick up in Galatians 2.20, uh, it's a fairly familiar verse, but Paul says these famous words, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ, Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So he's saying, I, I'm not anymore trying to please God through the law. I'm not 
not that Paul anymore, and that old way is gone, and now the new Paul, Jesus in him, he lives, instead of law, he lives by faith, but here's our little snippet. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Did you hear that little snippet of those eight or nine words? Who loved me, Paul says, and gave himself up for me. I think those eight or nine words are huge for Paul. In fact, I think they make all the difference for him. And my hope and my prayer as we reflect on Jesus and what he's done tonight is that every one of us here, you and I together, would all leave with those same words on our lips and on our hearts about our King Jesus that we too could say of him who loved and gave himself up for me. Those might be some of the best words that were ever said, ever written. And we get this glimpse into Paul and what makes him tick and what drives him. And again, there's many of you here tonight who I do not know. Maybe you're visiting for the first time. Maybe you got invited and came with friends or family. Maybe you've grown up in the church. Maybe... Maybe you've been around a really, really long time. But that's my prayer for you tonight, that you could join Paul in saying those same words. Before we get to us, we'll come back there at the end here. Before we get to us, let's look at Paul himself. Because if you know Paul, you know this was not the course that he was originally set on, right? Uh, Paul had a dramatic change. He's headed on the road to Damascus, uh, and his life basically takes a complete 180 when Jesus meets him on that road and, and turns him around. But if you know some, some things of Paul, as I try to, to make sense of this declaration of his and why it's so important and why it matters so much to him, several passages come to mind for me. So Philippians chapter 3 is one of them. Again, this passage kind of goes into Paul's former life, who he used to be. He's writing to a church, uh, and they've got some people influencing them, and they're all about their confidence in the flesh, their stuff, their resumes, all the good things that they've got, all the boxes that they can tick off uh, and check off to try and please God. And so Paul's addressing that with this church, with these believers. Paul says, okay, these guys are going to play that game. I can play that game too. And so what does he say in Philippians 3? If anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which was one of the tribes you wanted to be of, right? Benjamin or Judah of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He's got it all, right? He can check every single box off. I, I could put confidence in the flesh. As to the law, a Pharisee. If you know anything about the Pharisees, you know they, they were after the, they were straining gnats on the law. They're, they're tithing men. They're, they're doing all this stuff. They're, they're straining so hard 
after keeping the law. So as to the law, he was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. It wasn't just bluster and passionate words from Paul. Oh, he meant it. He was out chasing followers of the way, dragging them from their homes. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Here's Paul, Hebrew of Hebrews. And you couldn't find a crack anywhere. You couldn't find fault. He had it all going for him. And yet if, if you know the next few verses, you know where this is all headed. Bottom line, what does Paul come to see about all his stuff, about all his resume and all the things that he was checking off? He says, it's rubbish. I've given it all up. Because this stuff can't make me right with God. This is not the stuff that gives me Christ. All I've got is a righteousness of faith. There's, there's no righteousness that I can bring to the table here with my law keeping. So if you're thinking, maybe you've come from a background where you're thinking about good outweighing bad or, or something along those lines. Paul tried. Paul did it all to the nth degree. And when you compare even the best guy in the world, the Hebrew of Hebrews, it doesn't stack up to a holy God, and it's not enough. So he says, I count it rubbish. All those things that could have gone in my plus column, they're, they're actually negatives. So even Paul himself says, I couldn't put confidence in the flesh. And in fact, if we carry this, this line of thinking through Paul's life and through other writings in the Bible, what do we see? He's not now the guy championing, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. Instead, he writes to Timothy and says what? He says, I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the foremost. Because he looks at who he was before Jesus met him on the road that day. And he'd made himself public enemy number one of Christ and his church. And Jesus meets him on the road and says, why, Saul, are you persecuting me? And so now as he, as he looks, as he, as he recounts, as he puts all these pieces together after that meeting with Jesus, his Lord, on the road that day, he says, no, I've got no confidence in the flesh. In fact, I'm the worst sinner there ever was. The worst of the worst. So back to Galatians 2 then. Those eight or nine little words. Live by faith. Jesus, the Son of God, who what? Who loved me. And who gave himself up for me. Let's hit those, those two pieces here. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. First and foremost, we've got to start with love. Uh, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, uh, then, then you can think of passages about God and love, right? Maybe you've seen a football game on TV and the dude with the sign right behind the field goal. Where God so loved the world, John 3.16, or maybe you can go to Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Or maybe when you think of God's love, you think of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's great prayer for this church, that they would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the breadth and the height and the depth. And he adds four dimensions there, and I probably got them all out of order because it's crazy anyway, right? But to, to know that which is unknowable, the love of Christ. I was talking with a, a friend in the last year or two been through hard things, struggling with the love of God. And they're asking the questions, does, does God really love? And I'm bringing them to all these passages, to Ephesians 3 and John 3 and Romans 5. And, and the, the response was, okay, that's, that's great. God loved the world. Does God love And isn't that almost even arrogant to say, God loves me? I mean, who, who is he? Who am I that he would think of me and love me? And so I'm in the middle of this conversation, and this, this phrase again, our phrase from Galatians 2, pops into my head. So my answer was, Paul could say it. The chief of sinners. If he can say, Jesus loved too. And in fact, that's kind of the point of that whole passage about the chief of sinners, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says that the very reason that he is saved is that he would be the example for the whole world to see that if God can save that guy, the chief of sinners, oh man, he can save anybody. He can save anybody, right? That's, yet for this reason, I found mercy, Paul says, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So here's Paul saying, Jesus, Son of God, loved deserve a bit of it. And it's not because he was chasing Jesus, it's because Jesus was chasing him, and Jesus met him on the road, and it changed everything. Jesus loved me and gave himself up for me. This is why we're here, to speak of Jesus giving himself up for sinners, right? So first and foremost, we want to say tonight, Jesus loves sinners. How do we know Jesus loves sinners? We know because he gave himself up for sinners. And we know the lengths that he would go to. We, we heard them read. That he would go to the cross, the shame, the agony. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus told his disciples before he went to the cross, greater love has no one than this, that what? That he lay down his life for his friends. The apostle John puts it this way, by this the love of God was manifested in us, 
that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Friends, this is why we call this day Good Friday. Bad for Jesus. Good, good news for sinners like you and I. That he would turn aside the wrath of God for sinners who put their faith in him. That he would take their place and their punishment. That he would pay their debts in full. That, that our debts would be nailed to him and to the cross. That we would be forgiven and freed and given new life. This is what we call the great exchange. We get Jesus' righteousness. He gets our sin. And to be honest, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would he love sinners? Why would he do what he did for sinners? So though it seems like it's a little passing note, in Galatians chapter 2, they are some of the sweetest words in the entire Bible. They have become that way for me. And I think Paul meant every bit of them. Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So my question is, is very simple for you tonight. Can you join Paul in saying those words? Can you believe in the face of all the obstacles along with him that it's true of Jesus and true of you? There are no greater words for your soul. Those are words you can, friends, bank everything on. And here's what I, what I mean by that. I don't mean it's going to fix all your problems for you. Confess these words with Paul and life will go easy and everything will be grand and everything will be smooth. There is no staples easy button. It's, it's just not the way this works. But here's what I mean by these words truly do change everything. That in the storms of life, whatever circumstances you showed up in tonight, here's what I mean. Those words give you something solid to hold on to. Those are words that give you solid ground on which to stand as the earth goes crazy. Here's the, the best illustration I've got on this, and the East folks have heard this before, so sorry guys, you'll just have to hear it again. We went here in, in Philippians 4 where Paul tells the Philippians to stand firm, to, to not be moved. This is the best illustration I've got. It goes back to my college days, back to the, the 90s, so we're going old school here. Uh, but uh, in, in college, between sophomore and junior year, I got picked to be an RA in a dorm. You guys know what that means? Glorified babysitter, right? Uh, and I got paid to do it. But I, I walked around, I did rounds, I busted kids for stuff they weren't supposed to be doing, and on and on and on, right? So 
So uh, th this gets announced like with maybe a, a month left of, of the, the end of sophomore year. And they announced it on my floor, Whitmer third. Dan is going to be the RA next year. Current RA, good friend of mine who I'm still in touch with to this day, Joseph uh, throws down the gauntlet. Okay, Whitmer third, here's our initiation rite for Dan who's going to be the RA next year, we're going to creek him sometime in the next month between the end of now and the semester. We had a nice creek that went through our college. It was really cold. It was really fun. And usually getting creeked meant you got grabbed and tied up and chucked in really cold water in the freezing cold and in the dark of night, right? So the gauntlet's thrown down. And all I know is it's coming sometime in this last month of school, and I'm thinking finals and projects and, oh yeah, 30-some guys are after me. I gotta be ready. Well, I, a couple things in my favor. I had two, two good buddies, Nevin and Ryan, who for some silly reason decided to join my side. I, I don't know why, but they did. Uh, and they were two good guys to have on your team. Ryan was strong as an ox and built like an offensive lineman. Nevin was the most athletic guy I've ever met in my life. So I had two bruisers with me, right? But uh, this goes on, and you're looking over your shoulder every day, wondering, waiting, watching, when's it coming? The RD, the adult in charge, right, the RD, he calls me and says, hey, we need to meet in the basement down in the, the meeting room there at, at like 11 p.m. one night. And I'm going, yeah, right, whatever, Todd, here we go. Uh, and so I tell Ryan and I tell Nevin and the three of us go down there and I walk in the door and sure enough, it's not just a meeting with Todd, the RD. There's all 30-some guys from Whitmer Third standing there, waiting, ready. An absolute pandemonium and mayhem breaks out, right? It's a 30-some it's a person wrestling match. And what are we wrestling over? We're wrestling over me. <laughs> and I know if they get me outside the dorm, outside the building, I'm done for. I'm getting creaked. Here it comes, right? And so Ryan and Nevin, they're bulls in China shops. They're running through. They're destroying guys and, and just, you know, just wreaking havoc everywhere. I've got one job. Hold on for dear life. And that's all I'm doing. I am grabbing every piece of furniture in that room, and, and I'm holding on for dear life. And then I'm grabbing the door as they try to get me out of the room. And, and then they get me to the stairwell, and I'm holding on to this railing with everything I have. And this goes on for like an hour, right? My honor was at stake, my pride was at stake, my two buddies were with me, and I knew I wasn't going to let go. I was going to hold on for dear life. That's the picture, friends. 2021. A good Friday. Can you say of Jesus, who loves And gave his life for me. Is that your hope? Is that what you're banking every single thing on? If you are, hang on for dear life. Don't let go. Not for anything. And if it's not you, come. Come find rest. 
for your soul. Come find solid ground, a hope, a foundation on which to stand, from which you will not be shaken. Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me, gave his life for me, those words, they are all that I have. What about you? What about you? Would you pray with me? King Jesus, we know what love is because of the cross. And we know that in the storms of life and in all the, the circumstances, whatever, uh, whoever is here tonight amongst us and whatever you have walked into with your word, the apostle Paul, your spirit says, it's enough. He's enough. Find in him the one who loves you, who loves you so much that he gave everything for you. Spirit, remind us, challenge us afresh, help us to hang on for dear life. In Jesus' name.